Welcome to the Electric Liberty Land 205 pre-roll. I gotta tell you, I tried. Got my Zipix toothpicks in the mail. I'm looking at them now and actually I had a little party. Don't tell Gavin Newsom. But we had a little uh, Thanksgiving gathering, a Friendsgiving if you will, after I got back from San Diego. And the Zipix toothpicks were the biggest hit of anything. I swear to God, I've had bottles of liquor, specialty, specialty liqueurs flown in from around the world. Zipix toothpicks, the biggest hit. We were smoking some of the spearmint and spice. The peppermint watermelon was a huge hit, included, and also the uh, sweet whiskey. But guys, this is awesome. You get that hand-to-mouth feel. You get two milligram or three milligram toothpicks of nicotine. You still get that little kick, that little buzz when you're drinking, but you don't have to worry about the smoke. You don't have to worry about getting people uh, nauseated with your chaw spit. All you do, chew it, suck it a little bit when you want a little bit of that kick. It's great stuff. And this was developed in a lab. This is FDA registered. This has been a company that has been around for quite some time. And I could say it's quickly becoming one of my favorites. So check them out at zippixtoothpicks.com. That is Z-I-P-P-I-X toothpicks.com. Use promo code LION to get 10% off your order and uh, save yourself some money too because they're way cheaper than SIGs. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. It's me! Yes, me, your favorite Thanksgiving turkey, here to stuff you full of liberty goodness. Hope everybody out there had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Hope that you did not obey any of the COVID restrictions. And I hope that you spent it with family from all over the globe. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, episode number 205, everybody. Now, you guys may have heard a little bit of a disappointing week for old Brian here, considering the turn of events that had occurred and... What is that turn of events, you may ask yourselves? Is that my beautiful house? Is that my beautiful voice? Schneider Watch? What? Schneider Watch? Yep, so Schneider Watch is over. Um, And here's how it happened. Well, fellows, friends, and liberty lovers, as John Odermatt likes to say, or felons, friends, and liberty lovers, I had been talking old Rob Schneider for quite some time. Uh, well before he started tweeting about Mises, well before any of this shit, just because he was a conservative comedian who I enjoyed uh, and was a fan of over the years. So, as many of you know, big shout out to the Mises Caucus people, by the way, uh, because I posted in there to put a little social media pressure on old Rob, reached out, said, hey, everybody, let's pressure him. Let's see if he can get him on Electric Liberty Land. And sure as shit, we got something like 500, 600 people to like, retweet, go, uh, you know, come at Rob and say, hey, you know, we'd love to have you on this show. This was months ago. This was way back in October, folks. Rob said, yes, he'd come on the show. I said, wonderful, Rob. That's fantastic. Let's set it up. When do you want to do it? I'd love to do it for my 200th episode. And he said, you know what? Let's do it for right after the election. I think that would be more fun and more interesting. So I said, sure, that sounds great. Then Rob started, uh, Rob Rob Schneider started getting into uh, libertarian readings. But he started posting stuff about Mises. He started um, sharing a little bit more uh, shots of, I think he was reading some Rothbard. 
and people start to tweet at Tom Woods. And of course, Rob is now tweeting stuff and retweeting some of Tom Woods' stuff. And I said, well, okay, that's fine. He's probably still going to come on my show. I've been talking to him for months after all. That would be a real kick in the old dick for Brian if he did not. And um, what happened is that uh, suddenly communications cut off and I did not hear from Rob, as you know. The election passed, and he had asked to do it right after the election. The election passed, and then weeks passed after the election, and then a month passed after the election, and I kept going to Rob very kindly and politely, asking him, when are we going to set this up? After he told me he would be on, and I had promoted the show, only to see that Tom Woods had swept in, like the vulture he is, and booked Rob. Now, I can't hold this against Tom, nor do I hold it against Tom. You know, why would you not? Especially when Rob's retweeting stuff of yours. But I will say, uh, it really does suck. It would have been really great for my show, considering the fact that we, uh, you know, again, I've been way in front of this thing and trying to book him for months. But, you know, kids, sometimes the world doesn't work out in your favor. Yeah, 2020 in a nutshell. Not great for Brian. Perfectly fine for Tom. (laughs) But um, yeah, man, I've been in this industry a long enough time where I had a feeling it was coming. Uh, People typically don't cut off uh, communication in that way. But I reached out to Rob again just today, and uh, he said, yeah, no, I'm still down to come on the show. So we'll see. I'd love to have Rob Rob on. I know we'd have a very, very different conversation than the one that Tom and he had. Uh, Obviously, I think a much more fascinating one, considering my proliclivity for humor and uh, interaction with guests. But um, I'm not going to promote it. When it happens, it happens. We'll promote it after the fact. I've learned my lesson. Will not be burned again. So anyway, there you go, guys. Um, Yeah. Still, bit of a downer, bit of a fucking downer. But welcome to libertarianism, Rob Schneider, and uh, welcome to the party, pal. Let's get into the show, shall we? Looking forward to having Rob on, but for now, Schneider Watch has ended. It's like in Game of Thrones, you know, the the, the Black Guard of the Night Watch, Night's Watch. Your watch has ended. <laughs> Our watch has ended. <laughs> oh, but you know what? Has uh, has definitely, I was feeling rough. I was in San Diego over the weekend. Uh, and then I said, we had some, you know, some people over and I had a little cough, got tested for test for COVID. So no COVID, which is good, but just, you know, still feeling run down, a little coffee, which is annoying. So I got my, uh, my Santa cup, put a little risky in there, a little uh, Rittenhouse rye that my buddy gave me to so check them out. It's actually pretty cheap and pretty good. And uh, how could I not drink on this episode, right? Rob Schneider driving me to drink. You'd think a guy who was around for Chris Farley and saw what happens with substance abuse problems would not force a fellow libertarian like myself to go down the substance abuse path. But he's done it to me. He's this is this drink is on you, Rob. You did this to me. All right. Well. Let's see. There's a lot to talk about, guys, since we did a kind of a round Thanksgiving episode last week. I've got an email to myself with about 7,000 goddamn things in here. I don't know how many I'm going to get through. But I do want to talk just a little bit about Thanksgiving, how insane it was for people to be told that they can't spend Thanksgiving with their loved ones, that they are talking about, you know, they're talking about making sure that your children rat them, rat each other out and rat their family members out about their Thanksgiving uh, happenings. Like in Vermont, 
where the governor directed schools to interrogate students. Governor Phil Scott has told schools to interrogate interrogate students about what they did on Thanksgiving to see if they had a large family gathering. Now, this, this is pure draconian authoritarian nonsense, kind of like... If any of you remember the story about laptops that were given out to school kids that the school was using to spy on the kids at home with, yes, quite the scandal. I know, I can hear you gasping there uh, in your cars and wherever you might be in your lockdown bunkers. But now to say, okay, we're going to interrogate kids about what they did. We're going to try to catch them in a lie. We're going to try to catch them in this or that so we can report them, so we can turn them in to the authorities. This is insane. And this comes on the heels, by the way. This Vermont governor is trying to uh, to catch people in the lies. To, to do what? To expel the kids and send them home? And this is on the heels of Fauci finally admitting that kids should be in school. It only took, what has it been, eight months now of kids being homeschooled, of pretending to learn, of, of half-learning and teachers demanding that they don't go back to work as they teach from their Zoom couches. Children that are being denied social skills, they're being denied friends, they're being denied social uh, skills learning on top of the state indoctrination that they're being exposed to. But no, Fauci's finally come out and said, yes, kids should be in school. There's literally no reason for them not to be. The transmission rate is so low as to be negligible or virtually nil. And Rand Paul is calling him out on it. Rand Paul, who has been one of the few that's been willing to go head to head with Fauci this entire goddamn time. And people somehow seem to forget that he's a doctor (laughs) who does pro bono eye surgeries for people when he's not fighting the good fight on the Hill. But I want to start off with that little Thanksgiving tidbit because let's all be thankful. Thankful God. Whiskey, you done hits me early. Let's all be thankful for just how transparent The government is with its efforts to control everybody, to limit personal freedom, personal liberty, to try to destroy family units, and to try to hamper the pretense of education which they have set up. I'm glad. I mean, if there's one thing to be thankful for in this entire election season in this year is that we are seeing the fangs of the state bared every day. We're seeing people Half their lives destroyed. Now, I'm not saying I'm thankful for that. But from a libertarian perspective, now that the election is behind us, now that, and I'll talk about this momentarily, because I do have to talk about a little bit of the, uh, the election shit going on, obviously, or the recount going on. Now that people that were Trumpers, and I talked about a lot of the people that were Trump were probably Ron Paul people in a previous existence, because Trump was a, at his core, fuck you to the system a protest vote for many people who may have become more because once he was in office, he did give zero shits. He came at people, you know, tooth and nail. He tweeted up a storm. That's why I enjoyed him. By far my president. I mean, well, not my president. By far my favorite president, I meant to say. By far. I thought he was a joy to behold. I thought the way he exposed the media state was great. I thought that he finally called out the military industrial complex was wonderful. I thought the way in which he really exposed the ways in which the two parties were so very similar and the ways in which the party uh, and the state apparatus and the media apparatus worked hand in hand along with the educational apparatus was fantastic. I loved every second of it. And on that same note, 
I hope that we're going to see people disillusioned by seeing Trump get more votes than any, any Republican has ever gotten in the history of the country and still lose because of some very questionable shenanigans that may have gone on, may have gone on, I say definitely went on, but may have gone on behind the scenes. Those disillusioned voters may just find themselves coming back down the road of liberty and find themselves perhaps tuning into this very podcast. Probably tuning in for Schneider Watch. Very, very disappointed in that. But come for the Schneider Watch. Stay for the Schnibberty is probably a t-shirt that I'll print up soon. So that I am thankful for because I cannot think, at least not within my lifespan of a time period in which we have seen so blatantly showcased just how evil manipulative and authoritarian this state truly is. Now, if there's one thing to not be thankful for, it's the fact that it is beyond sickening to see how people have gone along with this charade and people are just willing to roll over, take a pittance from the state, crumbs from what they've brought home or should have been bringing home, see their lives destroyed, see their businesses bankrupted, see multi-general wealth taken away from them, and be told that, well, this is all for the greater good. We have to do this. Meanwhile, there was a story I saw was up on a government website that was then quickly pulled back down again, saying that basically the death rate for the United States in this year has been the same, maybe even less. Why is this a surprise? Oh, it's not. It's not a surprise. You've got a virus that kills off primarily people that are at the end of their lifespan that were more than likely to die within the same year that they got it anyway, people that were in convalescent homes or elderly homes, people that had comorbidities, people that already had fairly terminal level diseases, or unfortunately for some people, yes, there were, there were some people that were younger that died. These were by far the outliers. As we know, 99.8% survival rate. As we know, the odds of you surviving this if you were under the age of like 72 were astronomically high. But the media loved to portray this virus, this coronavirus, as though it were something that was created uh, by God himself or perhaps by the armies of Satan to take out humanity at its root. Now, of course... We're now seeing a later, another round of lockdowns. Los Angeles, the lovely place in which I live, has now mandated that all businesses that have outdoor dining or bars, et cetera, close down. They've once again imposed restrictions on capacity rates. So if I go to the fucking Costco to get some underpants and all of my clothes, because as you know, I'm an old man now with a child and I only buy clothes at Costco. I'm just kidding. I The kid has nothing to do with that. I was buying clothes at Costco exclusively before this. But now I got to wait in line outside. And everywhere I go, I have to wait in line. And it's a huge pain in the ass. And of course, this is going to impact the bottom line of these places, of the malls, of the retailers, of the businesses, large and small. Well, not large. Amazon, as you know, is making money hand over fist, as is Walmart, Target, etc. But all the small businesses that I may want to frequent to get my my baubles, my gadgets, and my gizmos for my lovely wife and myself around the holiday season will now continue to be reamed straight in the ass over the pretense that for some reason a surge in cases has led to a massive surge in deaths, which simply is not the case. Simply not the case. So there's a vaccine around the corner, we're told. We'll see. I saw that uh, there was a mandatory vaccine that was pushed back upon 
which is good to see out in uh shit where was it i think it was in denmark i pushed it back now there is good news on the uh coronavirus front actually wait let's continue on the bad news just continuing on this pandemic kick for one more thing again the evils of the state the short-sightedness and evil of the state in japan in one month more people died during that one month than during the entire coronavirus pandemic of coronavirus right then coronavirus one month suicide rate also shot up 39 percent last month in japan lovely to see right but anyway the vaccines on the table right now okay great but the one interesting thing too to note a good thing is that the supreme court is finally getting involved on this nine months later We saw the Supreme Court ruling on religious gatherings saying that they have now said you cannot constitutionally prohibit this, something that you'd think would have been obvious from the very start. Thank you, Jews in Brooklyn. (laughs) And naturally, you have all these local governors saying, oh, this can't be. Oh, my God, people are going to die. I'm sorry, but no. We need far more of this. We We need the government to take note of this ruling, and the SCOTUS, I'm sure, will. But we need other groups to band together. And I know in Los Angeles, there are some restaurant groups that are already banding together to sue the government over this and take this to the to the courts. We need to see, and I can't believe it hasn't happened yet, maybe because they didn't want the, the public relations hit. But we need to see more restaurants band together, more individual business people band together and take this shit to court. I can't believe that people just went along with this for this long. I mean, God, if I was a restaurateur, there's no way in goddamn hell I would have rolled over and taken this for this long. I mean, here in LA, they had people build these massive outdoor gathering spaces of wood and bone. And people sat down, they were probably starting to get comfortable. And there's zero evidence to this day that there's any outdoor transmission or danger of getting COVID via outdoor transmission. Yet they're now forced to close down all those outdoor spaces for what they're told is at least three weeks. At least during the holiday season where people go out more often than not, where people want to go out and celebrate and see loved ones and see friends and have dinner. And they're willing to spend more money to get the steak, to get the goose. Probably a lot of people are going to have a little bit of a a leaner Christmas. I know we're going to have a little bit more of a leaner Christmas. That's for goddamn sure. But at the same time, I would still happily go out, take my wife to a steak dinner and have a wonderful time for one night and enjoy it and forget the shitty times that we're having in this fucking horrible world that we've been forced to inhabit by the state and its overreach. And they're saying, no, you can't even do that. So all these restaurateurs that were counting on that big boost to their bottom line of people coming out and ordering the most expensive things on the menu and drinking and eating to excess can now go fuck themselves per your friends in the state government. Don't you just love it? Oh, here we go. I found my vaccination law. Forced vaccination law in Denmark abandoned after public protests. Good for you, Denmark. Thank God. I can't, I mean, I can't even goddamn imagine. I was talking to my dad the other day about vaccines and I, you know, I told him, I said, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I'm going to get one. 
I guess if I'm being mandated, I saw the airlines may mandate some sort of vaccination uh, process, you know, vaccine passports. It's just, again, seems insane because I just was on a plane and United did a study with the government wherein they showed that if you have a mask on and you're wearing the mask the entire time, that your chances of getting the vaccine, they did all these cough studies and everything else, are something like 0.03%. So why do we need a vaccine? Again, if you're terrified, flying anywhere at any fucking time, if you have an impinged immune system, you probably should be wearing a mask anyway, shouldn't you? (laughs) Excuse me. (coughs) Or you shouldn't be traveling. People can come to you or just do it over Zoom, Grandma. I'll teach you how to use FaceTime. The odds of you catching anything, some random fucking shit that's going to take you out if you're that sensitive when you're flying across country are probably higher than 0.03%, but that's what your rate of getting COVID was with a mask on right now. And they're still talking about vaccines. Just fucking ridiculous. All right, let's wrap up. Enough on that. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the election stuff and then... um, Then we'll get into some other topics. I want to talk a little bit about Biden's transition team, who he's got coming in for the State Department, which is just absolutely goddamned awful. And then we'll finish it up with a couple crazy stories. Uh, The CCP imposing tough new social credit score rules and a lovely story about trust fund brats building, uh, basically trying to fight to make sure that people like them can't exist anymore which is the height of stupidity. So let's take a quick break. Uh, let me tell you about our friends over at Good Morning Liberty. It's going to be a little bit shorter show again because my uh, again, I'm concerned about my, my voice here. So you may have heard me talk about Good Morning Liberty and Nate and Charlie, our buddies over there. Guys, this is a show which has been growing. Maybe they'll overtake us. If they do, I'll stop talking about them because fuck those guys. But until then... I do want you to check out Nate and Chuck over at uh, Good Morning Liberty. Fantastic show. We've all been on it. Mark and Odie and I have all been on it. Uh, you could say, hey, you should have Brian on again. He's great. And I would say that's probably a good idea. But I'd have to have them on. It's a whole thing. What you could do in the meantime, go check them out. Good Morning Liberty, anywhere podcasts are heard. These guys are fantastic talking about your daily issues in addition to having a very deep knowledge base about healthcare, they have a great take on how to bridge the gap between libertarians and not libertarians on the progressive side as well as the GOP side, and just provide, in general, a fun daily look at what's going on in your liberty world. So, give them a listen. Tell them that I sent you. Tweet at them. Yeah, whatever else you want to do. And, uh, yeah, have some good morning with your liberty. All right. Let's get back to some topics. By the way, guys, all the show notes for today's episode are at lionsofliberty.com forward slash episodes forward slash ELL 205. And uh, by the way, don't forget that we still have our uh, Merry Holiday, her Merry Taxation is Death mugs from the Lions of Liberty and uh, sent to the state. So you can get one of those still while they are available at lionsofliberty.store, as well as some of our awesome t-shirts, which are uh, are there for the gift-giving season. So check those out. Man, I am tired. <laughs> Can you tell my voice? I am tired, guys. This, uh, and this cold, the cold combined with all of the many, many days of drinking the past couple of weeks really 
sucked it out of me combined with, you know, I put up all my Christmas decorations. Uh, I spent a couple hours today doing that. I am exhausted. I am just fucking exhausted. But the show must go on, as they say. Um, let's talk real quick about, <coughs> excuse me, about the latest in regards to Trump and, uh, of course, Sidney Powell, who is uh, on the outskirts of the Trump campaign, but still pushing forward these lawsuits to try to overturn the election results. Because there's some interesting happenings, some of which are setbacks for Trump. And I'll just go through them very quickly. I don't want to spend 25 minutes talking about this. But as you've seen, if you're paying attention to the news, some have, you know, in Pennsylvania, for instance, the GOP, uh, actually a Trump-appointed judge, has slapped down some of the lawsuits that were brought to the table by uh, Rudy Giuliani in regards to mail-in balloting, et cetera. So that, of course, is a setback. We also have seen a odd flip-flop in Georgia, wherein a judge had first said that Georgia ballots that were taken in by these machines and all the Dominion machines had to be basically quarantined, could not be taken away, could not be reset, could not be uh, futzed with until this lawsuit had ended. Then that got reversed, I guess, because there was some confusion as to who the plaintiffs were and who the defendants were in the case, and they had not listed specifically X, whatever the party X was, the electoral county, you know, whatever the fuck it was. They had not listed that so that they had to go back, amend the lawsuit, refile it, and now the judge has said, okay, yes, now we will impound these machines or they are not allowed to be wiped nor uh, nor messed with. Although, apparently... Some machine that had like 250,000 votes on it has disappeared in Fulton County, which is where Atlanta is. So interesting coincidences. But the real nut of what I want to talk about here, and I say this thinking that, honestly, I doubt there's any way that they can overturn this shit. I, I just, even if they find them cold, you know, it, with the blood on their hands from the murder of the American democratic process, I don't see how after the transition, you're going to get Biden out. Then you're going to have Democrats say, oh, what are you you're trying to overturn it? Are you, are you trying to have a coup? Even though they had a coup against Trump the entire time. He was in office, basically. <laughs> but the real nut of this thing was interesting. It came out during a, uh, a sit down that Giuliani had hosted with a uh, with his Colonel Waldron, who was a military computing expert and a military computer warfare expert where he's talking about these spikes in loaded votes and basically how these votes came in you know, between 3 and 6 a.m., how these massive dumps came in of loaded votes, and they went to a shocking extent all towards Biden to a point where it is statistically impossible because you would have to see a very simple curve that would kind of go along with all of the other data that we saw between Trump and Biden, <laughs> where even if you had another surge in voters, even if these are the quote-unquote mail-in votes, to have an extensive amount of votes to the to the point where it's almost you know, 97% come in of 600,000 votes or whatever it is, is insane. And there's a video, which I'm sure you all have, uh, have heard by now, of this testimony where he reveals 604,000 votes were uploaded in 90 minutes. Waldron confirms to Giuliani, and he says 337 votes in that period of time. And they calculate, with all these spikes, how many of that vote accounted for Biden, how many for Trump, Walden says close to 600,000. I think our figures were about 570 odd thousand. And all those represent represent overtime spikes for Biden and for Trump, 3,200. A statistical impossibility. That is literally impossible. But that's not the other point. I mean, there's also, so 99.4%. Absolutely impossible. And the crowd gasped in shock 
But I'm reading the Spectator article, and they have some other of these uh, analyses from other areas in Michigan, Georgia, and Wisconsin. So here's an update in Michigan. 6.31 a.m. Eastern Time, 141,258 votes for Biden, 5,968 for Trump. Wisconsin. 143,379 votes for Biden, 25,000 votes for Trump. Georgia, 136,000, 29,000 for Trump. And Michigan, 54,000 for Biden, 4,700 for Trump. Now, these all easily flip the states to Biden. And these are numbers which, if, if they're to be believed, again, these are these are playing out in uh, in these affidavits, in these courtrooms. So I presume that they have to be traced back to somewhat fairly accurate results. Otherwise, why even bother putting them in there? That, to me, indicates very clearly and very blatantly that there was chicanery going on here, that they clearly had some sort of vote dump going on, whether that be ballots that were marked just with Joe Biden that they input into the system, whether that be the thumb drives, which I don't know how many of you have been tracking thumb drive uploads, but that was a way <coughs> in which people were losing and finding thumb drives that ran these uh, these counts, popping into machines, you know, they were out of people's sites, etc. Not only that, of course, you also have this uh, reported fractional accounting that was built into Dominion software wherein you can weight votes. So there is, I know Sidney Powell is alleging that you could have people going to vote. And while the the vote might've been exactly straight down the line, 50-50 for Biden and 50% for Trump, you could program the machine so that they actually weight the votes, 1.25 for Biden and 75 for Trump. So you're basically ripping away those votes because they don't count as much. It's like the old Jim Crow, three-fifths of a man type of voting, except in this case, that would be applied to Trump voters. So doubly shitty for black Trump voters. That's kind of bringing you up to speed as to where we're at right now. Now, like I said, will this matter? I, I don't know. I can't see it mattering. I do think, to harken back to my earlier point, ah, my fucking throat, to harken back to my earlier point, this is another step towards waking people up. As I said before, you know, I'm happy to see this thing play out. Because I want people to wake up to the sham that they've been living, to pretend that democracy is something that we can believe in, to pretend that our systems are so unassailable as to think that there's not these power players behind the scenes that are controlling things that are happy to manipulate it, to think that there's not voter fraud in every single election, which there fucking clearly is, to not presume that in a mail-in ballot election that there's going to be ridiculous amounts of it is fucking sheerly foolish. And not only that, though, I've made this point to many, many, many of my friends in various conversations that to, to invest so very much on whether one person wins or loses an election is insanity. It goes against everything that this country has been built upon. You know, we thought that executive power would get reined in. Nope, it hasn't. You'd think that people would learn of the hoopla and people losing their fucking minds and trying to ruin a man's life by accusing him of rape because we're getting a Supreme Court justice confirmed or denied, would learn. You'd think that when we look to the amount of power and tenure and how long these goddamn bastards stay in power, like Joe Biden for 46 fucking years in the Senate, we would learn, and of course, accomplishing nothing except enriching himself, that they would learn, and we've already learned, you shouldn't give these people this much power. They should not have neither the intellectual weight, 
the state-authorized power and monopoly on the application of violence, nor the ability to impact your life in such a momentous way that has happened over the course of the past fucking few years. Not even, I mean, you could go past way, way farther. Just the fact that a draft exists and millions of people went off to be murdered is shocking in its own right. But of course, we move so far past that now that we don't see the wars going on. We don't have people being drafted because we don't need to. We don't see the children starving in Yemen. We don't see all the people being murdered and bombed in Somalia who are trying to have weddings. We don't see Afghan villages burned to the ground and people barely able to survive who are more than happy to have the Taliban welcome back just to get us the fuck out of there so they can have some peace in their lives. We don't see that anymore because it's not close enough to bother us. But people are definitely close enough to the lockdowns to see this. They're definitely close enough to all of this exposing bullshit around democracy, about the voting system, around the people in power who are getting voted for or denying people their their legal voting apparatus. We're close enough to that that people should start to wake up. Hopefully, we're close enough to the fact where people can see that they cannot identify with a president, nor should they, because that person does not represent them, and to toss their lot in with any power-mad fucking authoritarian, and they're authoritarian no matter which side they're on, by the way. Trump's still an authoritarian, even if he's a rebel authoritarian. Or to get behind these fucking quote-unquote resistance fools putting in a fucking uh, like I said, a man who's been in office for 60 goddamn years about back in there and thinking that they're somehow fighting against the machine. Nobody should identify with these people. If anything, people should seek out to distance themselves from every possible iota of identification with any of these power-hungry dickheads. So hopefully we'll see a little bit more of that. But I think that was a fairly accurate summation of where we are so far. It's it's still a long way from over. And um, like I said, some wins. Georgia machines could reveal something interesting. Also, this has been underreported, very important. Underreported and very important. Imported caveat. Uh, is that Jill Stein actually won a lawsuit on October 20th of this year, which had opened up a legal uh look at the Dominion systems. I'm sorry, not Dominions. It was like ESNS, another one of the giant voting machine manufacturers, because everything's been talking about Dominion, but there's other manufacturers out there that also have been, obviously, could be implicated in this. But she won a lawsuit, which also sets precedent, should they want to challenge it, to look at the back-end uh, software and programming code for these systems. So, if she's opened that up, just came through. Like I said, now there's reason to say, hey, okay, well, Jim, Jill Stein did it. And this just took four years to happen. But again, precedent. Okay, Jill Stein did it. Why don't we look at the code in these machines and see where the loopholes exist? Let's see if there is something built in where it could be exposed and then use that avenue. So there's still stuff going on, folks. I'm sure this will not be going away anytime soon. Um, all right, next thing. Uh, oh, on another, another quick note on that too is uh, William Barr, of course, head of the Department of Justice, says that they have not uncovered widespread voter fraud in the 2020 election. Now, does that mean anything? Not particularly. The fact that that Barr hasn't really done shit in regards to the whole, uh, you know, secret coup that went on behind the scenes uh, tells me that he doesn't necessarily have the uh, the best people working for him. But I don't know. 
Uh, he says that we've not seen fraud on a scale that could have affected a different outcome in the election. At this point, I still think there's a lot of a lot of things to be said, a lot of things to be showcased, and a lot of, to be uncovered. I don't know. I doubt they have the information that that you know Sidney Powell is putting together. I doubt they even have the information that Giuliani is coming together because they want to keep that close to the vest. I just don't know. Um, you know, U.S. attorneys and agents have been following up specific complaints following the election, but <coughs> they have nothing to discover. Nothing to uh, discover on a scale that would overturn the victory of Biden. So we'll see. Now, again, it, it, it's just kind of all playing along to the establishment machine. I don't see any way Trump stays in office, but it'll be a fun show. Uh, let's go back and talk real quick. It's got to be quick. Fuck. Uh, let's talk real quick about some of these Biden picks. You know, the one I want to talk actually, I want to talk about two. So number one, I do want to talk about Antony Blinken. So Antony or Anthony, I guess it's Antony, A-N-T-O-N-Y Blinken, who is Biden's pick for state, is fucking atrocious. I said before why I was so upset when Trump won, or I'm sorry, Trump lost to Biden, was that Joe Biden represents the shittiest outcome for libertarians. If you're a libertarian and you think Joe Biden is somehow better than Trump for the things we believe in, you are flat out retarded. Joe Biden has brought in this guy who is a Middle East warmonger who has close ties with Israel. So you know the Palestinians are staying proper fucked, everybody. He is deep in with Israel. He will keep that war machine going. He will keep sending them armament. He will keep backing up everything. Now, Trump isn't good on fucking Israel either. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely miserable on Israel. But at least Trump was trying to bring the troops home. At least Trump is making moves in Afghanistan. At least he's trying to end the wars in Syria. Joe Biden and Antony Blinken are not that inclined. They would like to stay there. You will see, I guarantee it, you will see an increase in our activity in the Middle East. You will see an increase in our activity in regards to uh, provocations with Iran. And by the way, how about Israel killing an Iranian scientist? Now, Bernie Sanders and Rand Paul, I'm sure, called it out. I know Bernie's, Bernie was very vocal about it. But how about the balls on Israel? Because they know that they've got the United States has their back. They know, even though Trump had, and again, I oppose this shit too, Trump had taken out that general, Soleimani, but now they kill this Iranian nuclear scientist. What is it going to accomplish? Do they not think that they have other scientists that know how to make nuclear weapons over there? If they've, they, you know, Bibi Yahoo's been talking about it for the past 35 fucking years with that stupid nuclear clock that he always, oh, we're almost there. That bomb. Oh, no, it's the cartoon bomb, right? <laughs> Bibi's <laughs> cartoon bomb. Oh, good name for a band. Um, either way, I just it, it, absolutely atrocious. And you know, Joe Biden's not going to do shit about it. He's going to have Israel's back. They're going to become more brazen, and they're going to draw us into a war with Iran within, I would say, eh, a year. That's my that's my official guess. But it's not only Antony Blinken in there. Uh, we also have Yellen. Fucking nightmare. She's going to be stepping in to help him out on the old financial side of things. And I thought it was kind of interesting. There was another chick who I actually liked about a couple of things that she said. And this is a woman who has been attacked both from the left and the right, oddly enough. But um, she is a woman who had stepped out, taken issue 
with the fact that we simply continue to throw money down the hole in regards to Social Security, in regards to uh, Medicare. But Neera Tandon is her name, uh, who has boldly called for cuts to Social Security. So we saying, quote, we need to put both entitlements on the table as well as taxes. Now, this doesn't mean that she is a, you know, a, an ally to libertarians. But isn't it nice to have somebody actually address that issue when Democrats seem to want to continue just to push it down the road, to fund it to no ends? We do need to put entitlements on the table. Social Security is also already set to run out, I think, in 2028, period. To try to save it will take more money, especially now. I mean, Christ, we've spent so many trillions of dollars forcing people to stay home and destroying people's lives. How are we possibly going to ever pay for it? At this point, the interest is going to outweigh anything that we can possibly generate as a nation. And as we've seen with Antony Blinken, we're not going to be cutting military budget anytime soon. If anything, I would expect the budget for the Pentagon to continue to go up under a Biden administration. But I remember I was laughing because Jacobin Magazine, you know, Uber left Jacobin, was saying just how horrible Neera Tandon's pick was because of her support for reigning, you know, reigning in some of these uh, these Social Security programs and, and Medicare programs. So I, I guess her Social Security push followed the 2010 midterms uh, during deficit reduction negotiations between Obama and the GOP Congress. You know, I guess the good news is the Congress should go back to being uh, deficit hawks, right? We'll see. Never seems to lead anywhere, but we'll see. But she had something which we called change CPI, which would have slowed the rate at which Social Security benefits increase over time. Of course, Bernie Sanders fought against it tooth and nail. Shocker. But she was saying that we have to take some cuts to Social Security into account and Medicare and other of these title and programs if we are ever to address in any way uh, the deficit. So I don't know. That, to me, is at least something to, uh, to smile about. Of course, John Kerry is coming into his climate guy. Oh, wonderful. Welcome aboard, John. Uh, no shock. Yeah, these are all establishment people that he's bringing back in. It's basically Obama, Obama's administration redux, but still with a lot more swamp creatures uh, from both sides of the aisle. So lovely. Uh, I'll update that more as we go along. I am just, God, hey, can you tell that I'm really, really tired and I'm, I'm really like hitting the mental wall here, guys, because I fucking am. Uh, oh, the other thing is Joe Biden is supposedly going to be tough on charter schools. No surprise there. Again, that was another good thing about the Trump administration was the the work that was put forward to try to aid charter schools, to try to help school choice, and to try to rein in Title IX and uh, and actually give students their fair say when they're being you know put in front of these tribunals for uh, sexual assault or harassment or rape allegations or just or just allegations that there was an allegation like in the situation where a female coach was uh, dating a black student and somebody said, oh my God, inappropriate relationship. He's, he's taking advantage of her. And they literally kicked the guy out of school when it was a completely consensual relationship. But that is all going to go by the wayside again. And now granted, some of that is Title IX stuff. is going to be harder for, for the Biden administration to claw back. But when a president is coming into office with a mandate from the fucking teachers unions to try to attack charter schools, it makes me very sad. And, you know, <laughs> theme of the episode, are people finally going to wake up? Maybe that'll be the title of it, is that we saw a record number of black Americans and Latino Americans vote for Donald Trump. 
as I've said on the show, I hope that we have an opportunity to reach them as libertarians. Because when we look at it, that attraction of the GOP is going to fade. The GOP is going to turn in, you know, turn back into its uh, deficit self, which is good in a way, but but you know, probably for these people, a little bit of a of a shakeup because they have been identifying as Democratic supporters for their entire lives. So they probably are not going to be able to flip flop and go full bore GOP. Meanwhile, the GOP, you know, I don't know if they're going to make charter school and protecting charter schools a real priority when Biden's in there. Um, my guess is that they won't. My guess is that they'll be fighting against school, you know, the uh, forgiveness of, of student loans, which I'm all for fighting against that as well. My guess is that they'll be fighting for uh, keeping the intersectionality from being taught again in, in government uh, institutions and the deficit. So when it comes to charter schools, school choice, coming to uh, entitlement programs, which have been harming the minority groups more than helping them in this country, I think you're going to see a lot of these people that have found a new way of thinking when Donald Trump was in office very quickly get disillusioned with the way the GOP is acting. And we are going to find an opportunity there to reach those people and say, look, you don't need to go full board GOP. We have a solution here. We have a way of thinking. We have an, a, a method of applying our way of thought, which makes far more sense. And historically, we can point to how you've been taken advantage of and how under our system that would not happen and you'll be provided opportunity. So there you go. Something to think about. Oh, I'm really fucking rambling here, my folks. I need to wrap this shit up. Um, CCP imposing tough new social credit score rules. Man. If you haven't heard about this before, the Communist Party in China basically weighs what, you know, if you can get bank loans, if you can travel, if you can uh, do any number of things based upon a social credit score. So, of course, now they're making that even more severe, including uh, some something that kind of cracked me up because it seems like such an oxymoron. But China apparently will, will uh, ping your social credit score. If you, quote, endanger people's health and safety or disrupt markets fair competition. <laughs> In communist China, you'll get your credit score ding for disrupting the markets fair competition. I don't even know what the fuck that could possibly mean. And neither does anybody else in China. Because that is clearly an indication that the state will use whatever power it deems fit to slap down any business for whatever reason they seem fit in order to get it to line up with the party rule. That's all that means. There's no, there's no fair competition. There's no, you know, you'd think that they have a free market wherein everybody has a free, free uh, and fair playing field to compete upon, but that is clearly not the fucking case. So it's just, I find that unbelievably hilarious that they're going to uh, penalize your social credit stop you from getting a bank loan and uh, and get your get rid of your discount on heating because of uh because of that. But you know what? There but for the grace of God go we folks because when we have a national mask mandate, another Biden uh wish list item, who knows? Maybe we'll start getting those because you've seen the government actually this is under the Trump administration but talking about enabling banks or, or uh, incentivizing banks to invest more in fossil fuels, which of course is the government influencing the market in an uh, unnecessary way. And 
When it comes to uh, to mask wearing, who knows what could be in the pipeline as far as our social credit mask score. And if you don't wear a mask out and obey the lockdowns and your authoritarian leaders, maybe they'll make sure that you can't get a boat loan to go out in the middle of fucking nowhere and drown yourself. How's that as a wrap up to this episode, guys? I apologize. I am, I am hitting the wall so, so hard, and I just have to wrap it up and uh, and go to sleep. So <clears throat> I will come back, I promise you, a regular episode, if not an extra long episode next week. Uh, I'll get over the full hour there. I just am, uh, my throat's hurting, I am exhausted, my head feels stuffy, and honestly, I'm having trouble even thinking straight because I'm so exhausted. So I will wrap it up by telling you... Uh, Oh, don't go too hard on old Rob Schneider, guys. I still want to have him on the show, so no no, no attack, dogging. And uh, thank you for listening to my show. Thankful for all of you out there. And uh, I will see you next week with a brand new episode of Electric Liberty Land where I am not feeling like dog, dog shit dump cakes. Uh, don't forget, listen to Mark Clear on Mondays, by the way, with the flagship show and John Oderman on Fridays. Subscribe, guys. And we will be eternally grateful. Share the show far and wide. Maybe not this show, but, you know, in general. All right. From me, Brian McWilliams, from Electric Liberty Land and from the Lions of Liberty, always stay plugged into Liberty.